when you first got to the varsity football team at Dulles High School, who was the first person to kick your butt and welcome you to varsity football? Uh, the first experience I had uh, with like a wow was uh, in a scrimmage. We always used to scrimmage Marshall High School. And uh, I was a long snapper at the time. Uh, and, you know, they would do this uh, special teams was just kind of walk through. Not really walk mm -hmm. through, but, you you know, yeah. I was a long snapper. So I'd snap it and run downfield. And I was just like jokingly going to two-hand touch uh, Kendall Sheffield. Uh, I think he plays with the Falcons now. I know he, I, don't, I can't remember where he went to college. He was D1, big time dude. Yeah. Uh, and he was the returner. And uh, so I run down all happy. And it's at Dallas High School on <laughs> Dallas Avenue. And everybody's watching. It was the first scrimmage. We had a pretty good team, you know, Maury Smith and a lot of other studs my junior year. Mm -hmm. And I go down to just two hand touch him and he busts a move and goes to the right and I jump like five feet to the left in the air and tripped over grass and and then he just looks at me and laughs and everybody's laughing in the stands and <laughs> that's when I was like okay this is a different level of, of game being played but he was a special athlete It always feel like I need one more boy and one more line. Record the track just one more time. My family think I bumped my head, lost my mind, insuring them. I'm just fine, I'm good enough, but I need one more boy and one more line. Record the track just one more time. My family think I bumped my head, lost my mind, insuring them. I'm just fine, I'm good enough, but I need one more boy and one more line. Record the track just one more time. My family think I bumped my head. Lost my mind, insuring them, I'm just fine, I'm good enough But you be told I need some therapy, initially ain't do it voluntarily, but now I got a legacy Alright, welcome back to another brand new episode of the Team Player Podcast This is number episode number 36, so we are chugging along here We're making history tonight, y'all, we have our first ever, this is TPP history our first ever aquatics coach. So he's an assistant swim coach, and he is now the head water polo coach of a brand new program forming at the Fort Bend Austin High School, my alma mater. I just celebrated my 20-year reunion uh, earlier this summer in June. I had a great time seeing all my classmates, uh, but we are so happy to have him here with us tonight. He is also the 2021-2022 Austin High School assistant coach of the year, so he's dragging a bunch of hardware in here. He is Sean Brogan. Welcome to the show, Coach. Thank you for having me. Uh, I've been listening to the podcast, and I've been wanting to get on and, you know, bring a little water into the podcast and <laughs> i'm excited thanks for having me dude i'm so glad you're here and you're you're not the first to do this i i think steven ochoa has done this There's a couple other tvp alums have come in clad in jerseys but you're one of the few so i love it. you you got your you got an Embiid 76ers jersey on so i'm got a really it. funny funny yeah, story to tell about jerseys and i know you're a big jersey guy and yeah. i love jerseys too yeah. but i have a very very weird like bad luck with jerseys because my wife and my parents always buy me a jersey every Christmas and that stopped about two years ago because <laughs> I've got a pile of jerseys here and, I, and I'll want you to notice so this is Deshaun Watson uh -huh. no longer with the Texans sure Russell Westbrook no longer with the Rockets sure uh let's see this one is Clint Capella no longer with the Rockets DeAndre Hopkins, 
no longer with the Texans. Yeah. Uh, James Harden, no longer with the Rockets. Oh, and my God. To, to round it up, George Springer, no longer with the Astros. Uh, every single jersey for about four or five years that my parents or my wife got me, the players left. So this is the only jersey I have that is a player that is still with the team. So I wanted to wear that. And uh, my dad is a, from Philly, so he adopted me as a Philly fan. And yeah. That was awesome, Coach. And you know what? I mean, I think there's a collective sigh of relief around Houston that they've stopped buying you those jerseys because we don't want you to get an Altuve jersey or something. And we're trying to get back to the World Series. Uh, but anyhow, oh, my God, that was pretty cool, man. And it's, it's one of those things, like, I'm a big retro jersey guy. If you notice, like, a lot of my jerseys are from the 90s. Kind of, that's where I like Reggie White. Yep, got my Reggie White for you here. I got the old Kelly Green kind of style color uh, Eagles jersey here. But that's kind of my range because I, I like that. But sometimes it's good to have someone who's moved on because there's that little bit of nostalgia. But for yours, some of them, you know, like a Russ Westbrook, it's just it was such a short time. Yeah, that kind of yeah. stinks when you got a guy yeah. who just moves on. You're, you're belt, just... You know, there's a yeah. lot of those were glory days of sure, sure. Of, of what could have been almost, especially with Deshaun Watson. I don't even want to get started on the Texans right now. Man, you know, Coach, I'm so glad you're here, man, because I love, like, your vibe. You have, like, a team player podcast vibe, man. You come in here, you're, you're, you're loose, you're having fun. And, and like what he described for anyone listening, he just he's a fan of the show, and he said, I, I want to get on this. And he reached out, and we you can ask him. We set it up the same day. As soon as someone reached out to me, I, I, I get my little book out, and I'm, I'm setting dates. So that's how we do it here we lift up our own inside the team player nation so anyone listening if you want to if you want to jump into the studio we we will definitely get that done if you've been listening the five-star review is very important we're over 50 now we're, we're into the 50s so you guys have done a great job leaving that review it takes 10 seconds that helps us so much to have more people find the show we also have gotten six total uh written reviews so if you if you want to not just leave the five-star rating if you want to leave a written review we've got six of them so far i, I read them when i get them and we do have a new one this week under the title, Great Stories, it says, Coach Kovo, Coach Kovo brings on great guests who share their stories, really enjoy hearing about others in the profession and learning from them. And that's from Coach Noon 45. So I know who that is. That's Peter Noonan. He's a Team Player Podcast alum. Uh, he's got his own podcast, Hanging of Coach Noonan. That's one of the ones that's in my rotation. So I highly suggest go ahead and follow that one as well. You can hit the follow button to subscribe to Team Player Podcast, and you'll get a new podcast in your queue every Sunday at 2 p.m. That's a Team Player Podcast guarantee. And you can also uh, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm your host, James Kovaleski. You can follow me at Coach underscore Kovo. That's Coach underscore K-O-V-O. K-O-V-O. All right, Coach. We're filming this on a Sunday night. Y'all about to go back to school. I appreciate you giving up your time when you're about to just dive right headfirst back into a new school year. But let's, let's dive into it, Coach. You say you grew up in Missouri City, and your father was an administrator at Dulles. So you, you kind of grew up in, in the Elkin zone, but you ended up moving away from that to follow your dad over to Dulles. So just kind of describe that dynamic and what it was like growing up in Mo City. Well, I loved it. I grew up in Quell Valley. And, uh, you know, a, a, a fond memory I have is on my street, there was about seven or eight guys that were all about the same age as me and around the streets. And my best friend, Billy Young, his grandpa would, we would go in, in the street and just run routes yeah. all day and all night and play basketball uh, you know it wasn't as hot as it is now <laughs> but we would literally we would stay out until the, the the street lights came on that was our rule and all of our parents wanted us home and so I really got to know all these guys and I went to school out in Siena uh, my mom was a PE teacher there so 
it was kind of unique because I got to hang out and all these people around my neighborhood that went on to Elkins, but then also some of my best buddies went to Ridgepoint, you know, some guys that you might even know. I, uh, Kyle Conahan, Justin Farah, Will Sinek, yeah. Trevor Finner. I'm literally, I'm a groomsman in Kyle Conahan's wedding and five of the six, seven groomsmen are all Ridgepoint Sienna guys. And okay. I don't yeah. remember Kyle, but Jeff, definitely Justin Farah. He was one of our yeah. original quarterbacks when we started the program. Uh, uh, Fenner, I, I think you mentioned. Yeah, definitely. Will Sinek. Yeah, th- th- I definitely know those names for sure. Grew up with a lot of them. Actually, a, a, a Packer, a Green Bay Packer, uh, Ty Summers. I don't know if you remember that Now, I've heard of him because I know he was a yeah. great standout in the he middle school level, but he ended up moving point. away. Yeah. yeah. Right. But uh, my mom was our PE teacher, and in fourth grade, we had uh, the Teal Group. And it was all a bunch of stud athletes, Ty Summers, Justin, a lot of guys that went on to play in college and the NFL. And my mom still talks to this day about the dodgeball we would play in there. But uh, and then in seventh, sixth grade, I was a bit of a troublemaker. I'm not, you know, I was going to bring that up. I'm glad you brought that up because you said that you, you kind of had to follow your dad uh, to Dulles. And it was honestly maybe not necessarily fully by choice is the vibe I got. And maybe they want to keep an eye on you. So. <laughs> not at all by choice and uh you know my dad wanted me to be close with him so yeah. i went in eighth grade to dallas middle school and then on to dallas high school so he could keep an eye on me and uh I, it was always so funny at the beginning of every single year uh he would come in and tell my teachers hey uh, let me know if there's ever an issue and feel free to email me right away and i'll come down and handle it <laughs> yeah. so but now he's at rich point high school Absolutely. actually as yep. the principal yep. and uh he he loves it, and my dad had a big impact on me to actually get into education, and I decided to go up to your alma mater, yeah, uh, Austin College, and my my mom and dad are both as educators and inspired me to go and in, 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 into education. I I love it. It's, yeah, it's so cool that your dad is a principal at Ridgepoint. Now, I, of course, I missed him. I, Tammy Edwards was a principal when I yeah. went on, left to go to Aldi. And so I, I haven't gotten to work work with him directly, but I definitely know of him. And he's been there several years now. And Ridgepoint is still rocking and rolling out there in Siena. He's lots been of wanting a, a ring for so long. And they've had just like, I think, seven times that they've made it to the state championship sure. game, whether it be volleyball, baseball, girls soccer. So I don't think he'll be – he's able to retire, but I don't think he's going to leave until he can leave with a ring. <laughs> and just talk about your dad for a second, because uh, I, I was going to ask you uh, – and you answered my question, but I was going to ask you why the love for the Philly sports, because you listed the Eagles and the Phillies and you're wearing your Sixers jersey, but you mentioned your dad is from – I did not know that. So can you kind of just give us a little yeah. bit of description of his upbringing and have you been able to go back and visit? Oh, uh, my dad, you know, grew up in Drexel Hill, uh, South okay. Philly. Uh, literally went to college and lived in his car at St. Joseph's University wow. uh, while going through there. And then, uh, you know, he came down here, was selling, I think, like, like uh, insurance, some type of insurance. Right. And uh, went to the Pig and Whistle one night and ran into my mom. Uh, it was an old bar. I don't <laughs> know if you might know of it. I think it was in Sugarland, but ran into my mom and, uh, you know, it was by himself on his birthday told my mom that and one thing led to another and they got <laughs> married a, a couple awesome. years later but i have about i think 13 cousins that all live in philly and my dad would bring us back there uh, whether it be for christmas and the summer to go and see uh, all my cousins and uh 
I, I don't know why, but a great memory, and we'll talk about it later, but was the 2008 uh, Philadelphia Phillies World Series. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was when I really, really started to love, you know, Philadelphia. Yeah. And I loved going up there, loved the cheesesteaks, Rita's yeah, yeah. Water Ice, and the Sea Isle going down to the shore to see my family members. But, you know, my dad being such a hard Eagles, Phillies, Flyers yeah. fan, I never stuck to the Sixers, but I'm still wearing it. But I never really liked the Sixers. Okay. But, you know, him rooting for them as a son, I'm not going to not root for the same yeah. teams you're rooting for. So that was how I kind of, you know, uh, got my Philly blood in me. And I, you know, go up. I have a lot of cousins around my same age. So I go up for weddings and got them. They come down and see me. And I love Philadelphia. It's almost like my second home. That's funny you bring that up because I, I I like to listen to the Bill Burr podcast and he was talking the other day about, you know, he had a guest on Jerry Ferrara, who's an entourage. And and Jerry said, you know, you can always tell if somebody's a good dad or not by if the, if the son roots for the dad's sports teams. Because every single time I've seen a kid that's like, you know, oh, my dad's a Packers fan, but I'm a Bears fan. You know, it's always like, because their dad, they hate their dad. I can tell Mr. Brogan, you know, uh, did a great <laughs> job. You, you, you love him, even though you're a troublemaker and he had to be hard on you. He's, you still love him and you root for his teams. <laughs> but even one of the, you know, I was just talking to my dad about it. One of our favorite memories, we play in uh, golf tournaments together a lot in 12 Alley in the Men's Golf Association. And, you know, I moved out away about three years ago. I live in Pecan Grove now and I don't see oh, him cool. much. But once a month we play in a golf tournament together in 12 Alley and it really brings us together. And I love spending time with my family and my father. and My mom had a big impact on me and and becoming a coach because even a crazy thing about my uh, mom is she was I coach a summer league swim team Lake Olympia swim team okay and uh, my mom actually started that team way back in the day and I took it over as the head coach she was the head coach for 20-25 years and I actually took it over about uh four years ago wow and so yeah one last thing on Philly. I have been to Philly once, and I went, and I, I don't remember the names, but I know there's two famous cheesesteak shops. That's that are kind of Gino's. There you go. And so I went there, and the thing that you got to know is, and I didn't know this, they got to advertise this, like, there's cash only. No credit yeah. cards accepted yeah. at these places. So I did have to run to the ATM, but it was well worth it, man. That, that was yeah. some good stuff. Uh, shameless plug on cheesesteaks, man. You know, those are kind of that we call them tourist traps. You okay, that's go. what I wanted. That's what I wanted yeah. to know. I should have talked. I, I didn't. You and I didn't have this relationship at the time. And next I, time I, I go have back, an I obsession want... with cheesesteaks. Yes. <laughs> where, where are the real Philadelphians? Where do they really go for cheesesteaks? Um, there's them? one place called Thunderbirds off of Westchester Pike. There that that's where I go every time. That's a little hole in the wall. An old Italian dude's been running it since I don't even know when. But every time, right when I get off the plane, that is the first place I go. It's I Thunderbirds. Love it for a uh american with that's how you need to order it and the with means with onions so that's how that's you just go up american with and they give you american cheese with onions if you put in mushrooms and all that other stuff it's not a cheesesteak it's not a philly cheesesteak funny thing is you know it's so funny this all lined up like this but today amc has been doing a rocky movie marathon i've literally watched (laughs) i I, I was watching rocky four before i came down here so i went rocky two through rocky four this afternoon (laughs) and uh i gotta ask you you or your dad can you can you can you do the philly accent or is it something that my dad has and he's he's been down here probably 30 35 years but and it's funny because when i go up there and see my family i'll come back and i have a little bit of an accent for a few days but (laughs) whenever i'm talking with them on the phone for a little bit 
but my dad has a has a little bit of one. He's got he's got the yob and funny, he would move down here when he first moved down here. We'd go get Mexican food or when I was a kid, we'd get Mexican food and he would dip dip his uh chips and salsa. And then after he would like go like that on the side of the salsa bowl to let it all out because it was so spicy for him. Yeah. But he, you know, that's how we do have an accent a little bit when we see the family. If anyone listening hasn't been, I, I like Philadelphia, man. I, it's, it's up there. I got. I don't want to anger you, but Boston is my favorite city to go to. I know there's a rivalry there, but like Philly is is up there too in that same stratosphere. I did. I ran up the steps. I ran <laughs> up the steps. Like Rocky, I, I did my little jig. I shadow box for a second. I went to the the Penn University there, and I went to their stadium. I think it's called Franklin Field. Old and school. It's old school, and you can actually walk in there. You can, like it's open. Yeah. Yeah. I, I walked in there and just got. I went up to the top, took some great pictures from the stadium, and saw downtown. And just, it's a cool city. Great, lots of tr- like uh, jogging trails and things of that nature, like in downtown. So, uh, yeah, kudos, shout out to Philly. But let's talk about Dallas High School. So you, you settle into high school. You said two coaches really stood out to you. Your head coach Jim Creech, legend. Forpen ISD, living legend. This guy is one of the originals. He's at the flagship at Dulles, and he was there forever. Did a great job. And your position coach, Chris Call. This is another guy that I've, I've gotten to know over the years. Another great guy. You said you loved both of them there. And, you know, your freshman year, you did golf and football and swim, so you're playing multiple sports. Let's, let's talk about those coaches first. Let's, let, we like to give our flowers, as we say here on the show. Talk about Coach Creech and Coach Call and the impact they had on you. Oh, man, I, I just can't even really come to describe it because the thing, you know, when I was thinking about Coach Creech, he didn't just teach you to be a football player. He taught you to be a man. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that was what I loved about him. And I had a little bit of a closer relationship and he could ha- give me a little more tough love because of my dad. But that was something that I loved about Coach Creech. And, and a unique thing is I actually played for his last team that he coached with really? my senior okay. year. Yeah. And um, we didn't know it until the banquet. And he broke down in tears at the, at the banquet. And that's when, you know, I had always known it was deeper than just a score. But, you know, seeing his emotion that he put into the game, he we always had this thing, and everybody knows it, it was called Red Alert. Uh, Coach Creech, he loved to give the refs hell. <laughs> mm. And he loved to – he would go on Red Alert and just start screaming, yelling, and there might have been bad words said at some yeah. point. But uh, – and, and me and my buddy Carl Kaluby and David Borrego, who played on the offensive line with me, and Xavier Rubio, we always joked around – that, hey, you don't want to mess around and talk to Coach Creech when he's in red alert. Uh, but, you know, <laughs> speaking speaking of those O-linemen that I just played with, Chris Call, uh, I don't think he coaches anymore. Right. But um, he, he just – I don't even know how to describe it. It was like he brought us in. We had – I had three really good guys that were – as we came in as freshmen, they were huge. Yeah. And they actually started on varsity as sophomores. And I didn't get up there until later on. But – so he really held our class to a higher standard because we had a pretty good offensive line. And, you know, I, I was kind of smaller and just a swimmer, real skinny at the mm-hmm. time. And then he was like, all right, you're going to play right tackle when John Rowell leaves. You're playing right tackle. And I'm yeah. like, uh, okay. I mean, I, I like defense. I mean, I don't know about offensive line. And, and he basically, you know, taught me everything about offensive line. But and also, you know, like – Coach Creech, he taught us how to be men and, and how to deal with adversity 
you know, whether it be on the football field, uh, whether it be with your girlfriends, whether it be with your job, he taught us to just have a passion for whatever you're doing. And, you know, and I remember the, the first day of freshman football practice, just being so dead tired and cramping and all of us are looking at each other like, what the heck are we getting into? Because yeah. Coach Paul worked us. He, he, he wanted a lot out of us. And I honestly, I attribute my work ethic and being able to be a dual sport athlete in college. And now we start swim practice at 5.15 every morning. Yeah. I'm there. And, and the, the work that they put us through in high school prepared me for the Austin college prepared me for the real world. And a lot of my friends that went through the Dallas football program are now successful because, you know, they, they worked us hard, you know, and, and sometimes that doesn't happen in in this day and age, but I was glad that I was kind of on the, I I don't know, good old boys type of, you know, tough love and work you really, really hard uh, because you're going to get a lot out of it. And I appreciated that tough love from my coaches. And, you know, even to this day, they, they, they are still in touch with me, you know, and, and, and reach out to me once a month or I reach out to them when I have a big thing in life or they have a birthday or anniversary, whatever. And, and those two guys really kind of made me want to be a coach. What years were you at Dulles? Uh, I graduated in 2014. 2014. 2014. Okay, yeah. so you were you were there with, with Remus? Yeah, yeah, I was good friends with Remus, and actually, he was a year younger than Jamil Cook. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Remus is actually a good friend of mine still to this day, uh, because Remus was he was another one. He was our running back, and yeah. I was I'm not gonna lie, I was probably the weaker link on the offensive line, but he would challenge me every single day. <laughs> Remus would it. challenge me every day to be the best that I could be because he knew I needed to be good. So he could, he didn't have a, yeah. a, a left side defensive end tackling him in the backfield every single play. And uh, Jamil cook also uh, was a good, those were both really good friends of mine. And then I think after their junior year, they shipped off to Ridge point. That's correct. Yeah. Senior year. And they were pivotal in sending us to a 12 and one season. I mean, they, they yeah. really, we, we were kind of that, we were a really good team. It's kind of like when we, when we, we, we traded for Verlander in 2017, yeah, kind of felt that like last piece come in. Like when those two arrived, we knew we could go from good to great. And, uh, and Remus, I think yeah. uh, I think those two leaving might have had also a little impact on Coach Creech retiring. <laughs> I, I, that's a big. That's a hard replace. You can't really replace the production. And, and yeah. kudos to to you guys on the O line. I remember several of those linemen. You know that you referenced. You had a great, you know, great collection offense lineman there with a great running back, and you guys put in some serious record setting work. Uh, yeah, I literally, I think uh, we played Clements, and my dad the next morning went and taped the, uh, you know, back in the day, the Houston Chronicle yeah. would put all the stats up, and my dad went and taped it. My senior year, I want to say we rushed for 500 yards. I may be wrong. It might have been high 400s. Yeah. But we were in that game against Clements, like Remus had like four bills. <laughs> I, I just love Remus Bulmer, man. He just had that infectious that smile. Energy. He's got that smile, and he's a heck of a salesman. If anyone needs a new car, a used car or a luxury car, you know, luxury. And this isn't this, not my typically what I go after, but if you want a luxury car, Remus is your guy. Yeah. I talk about this all the time on the show whenever this he comes up, but I love watching him on social media, what he's doing in his job, because he is a great salesman, but not in like a 
not like a used car salesman type of way. He, he's so genuine and he'll wa- he washes the car himself when he purchased it. And he, it, it, he's a lifelong friend when he sells you a car that's the yeah. way that he is and he does everything he as hard as he, he can here's yeah. a few years down the road how the car is doing he's also an amazing cook oh really he's really really good cook and he would he would cook for the o-lineman you know when he was a junior that's awesome. he, would cook, he would cook for us invite us over to dinner because uh his his uh, i think it was jameel's father was actually in the nfl that's and they right. had a big yeah. huge house and rivers uh river uh whatever that place i can't remember what it's called i don't think it was riverstone it was okay. uh, another brightwater brightwater Water. okay and he would have us come over for lineman meals and, and he would cook for us and he was an amazing cook <laughs> you know one other coach i wanted to ask you about was bill gary yes uh because <laughs> i know he came to rich point so bill, yeah bill gary also uh, I got in trouble my junior year and got kicked off the football team for about a week. And the way I was able to come back onto the football team was to do workouts with Coach Gary. Oh, and, okay. Uh, so I, I spent about uh, three weeks of every fifth period before spring football with Coach Gary out on the football field. And he did, he could have just killed me. But every drill and workout he made me do to get back on the team was related to a tackle, you know, being an, yeah. a tackle. So, and uh, I, I don't, I, I know he was at Ridgepoint for a little bit. That's right. And uh, he was our offensive coordinator actually at Dallas, and and his wife was actually a counselor there. And uh, you know, Coach Gary, I, I love him too. You know, and he helped me get back onto the football team <laughs> with tough love. But <laughs> he's uh, a heck of a coach, heck of an offensive mind. I mean, everything he did for y'all, those record-setting seasons, and coming to us. One thing that I, I noticed that, that he, he shared with me, I noticed it like also just from as a scout, you, your run plays were always on like go. And then your pass plays were always on like hut, you know, like a, a, the second. Yeah. And we would actually, yeah, I don't know if this is going to give up him, but uh, he, he would, uh, if it was a weekday, it was on one. If it was a weekend day or a holiday, it was on two. Oh, and, I love that. And, and I still remember some of the play calls for Dallas from, you know, because we did everything at the line, which was kind of weird. I don't know if that was a big thing, but it was 2012, 2013. And I think that was starting to be a big thing at the time. But we did everything at the line. And that was, you know, literally we spent the first week just learning the play calls before you could even do anything. And he was a crazy guru offensive mind. Absolutely. Dude. We had a few others, you know, Remus and some other studs my that, that he was able to use. So, And, you know, I, I just loved it because – one my biggest pet peeve is Lyman jumping off sides. And so he eliminated that. So you, seriously, you guys never had that issue. And so yeah, and, but, but because it was fixed in practice. <laughs> yeah, true. But also like the, the defense kept jumping. They didn't figure it. They never figured it out. And so you would still get free plays when you throw it. And th- this happened quite a bit for you guys. And so yeah. I just, I thought that Fast was like, plays something, were always on two. Yep. I thought that was something so simple, but so smart. And here's the other thing, man. I don't know if you got to see this as a player, but I'm going to tell you right now, low key, Bill Gary is one of the funniest people I've ever met in my entire life. Now he might've had a different relationship with y'all. Cause he's, you know, he's your coach, yeah. but when you get him in the office amongst other coaches, I think he's the funniest person I've ever met. When, <laughs> when I was working at Ridgepoint, he was my next door neighbor in the history hallway. And yeah. uh, he just has that dry sense of humor, man. And he gets me just in tears almost every time I see <laughs> Bill Gary. So that's a big thing to have, you know, in a coaching staff is, you know, you put in a lot of long hours. You need sure. that fun laugh every now and then. 
no doubt. And so, you know, shout out to Bill Gary. And then, you know, my memories of Coach Creech, like there were some low points in Dallas football when I was in high school. When I was a junior, they actually suffered through a really tough 0-10 season. I'm, I'm sure this was long before, you know, your dad was over there or anything. But that was in, I guess, my junior year, which is like 2000. That's the 2000 football season. And then my senior, I remember my senior year, after the 0-10 season, in, in pregame, they wore T-shirts that said Moofly on them, M-U-F-L-Y. And I learned that that meant make up for last year. Yeah, yeah. I, I, heard know, about so I don't that. know if you've heard about it. So, okay, so I, I want to hear your perspective in a second. But I just thought that was something really cool. And they had a really nice season. I think they might have went like four and six that year. And then the following year when that good group was like seniors, like they went like seven. I mean, they really had a good team. So um, just something really cool. Other cool things I, I've noticed about Dulles over the years, like they had guys like Damian West, you know, and Tim Washington. They Whoever their stud was, was wore number 99. Oh, I just know, yeah. Yeah. And that was something kind of cool at that time. And for Ben, most most teams did not have 90s numbers. It ended at 89 for all of our teams, except Dulles. Creech somehow finagled it to where he, he was able to get that 99 jersey and he'd stick it on his stud. And I always loved that. And the last thing, my last Creech story, after I left coaching, I, I did a lot of broadcasting in Fort Bend with Roger Smith, you know, and the Vipe yep. team there. And one time I saw that Coach Creech was there at the game and I invited him into the, into the uh, broadcast booth during halftime just to talk with him. And oh my gosh, he was so gracious. He was just such a gracious, good guy, just genuine guy, happy to talk about. It. And his memory is phenomenal. He could remember all these teams from back in the day. But um, I'm just curious your perspective on any of those little stories that I shared. I know you, the Moofly thing, you kind of reacted to that. So I'm just curious, yeah. any of those things or the 99 jersey, any any little stories you have as an insider you could share with us? Yeah, I. Uh, it was <laughs> it was so funny. Um, one little story. I mean, I heard of the move fly because I was actually a ball boy in seventh and eighth grade because okay. of my dad. So I was actually a ball boy. And I remember coach Burton also, I don't know if you know, Charles Burton. Absolutely. He was, He's an Austin. He went to Austin, Austin high, high school, school actually. Yeah. yeah. I loved him, but um, you know, I was a ball boy. So I got to really hear coach Creech, but a, a crazy thing he would do, you know, we had, I want to say it was five minutes from when the bell rang for fourth period to end to get out there and you, he would come in and he would yell and then everybody would put their hands behind their backs, whether you had your clothes on or not. <laughs> and he would come around and take attendance and he'd look at you and he'd say, Miftal, you got a little bit of shave your mustache. And he'd point out different things on the guys wow. as he's walking around. Yeah. And it was always funny because there'll be one person who didn't always get their clothes on and they'd just be sitting there and Coach Creech would go by and just shake his head at them <laughs> and they would have to start out practice, uh, fifth period with a little bit of running because they weren't ready to go. I love it. But uh, another thing with Coach Creech is you said he was gracious and I remember he had became, uh, um, he was a grandpa at the time mm. and uh, he would always bring his grandson before the game onto the field and he would just hang out with the grandson. He knew we knew what he knew all the other coaches were going to handle business, but just kind of seeing him in that love and care. And I think he knew it was probably going to be his last year that year. So he wanted to have, you know, cherish some memories with his grandson, but it was pretty cool getting to see, you know, kind of the, the hard love, but then the soft sure. love for the grandkid. And you knew he was a genuinely good dude. And I, I love coach Creech. He was, you know, almost like another father to me. Yeah. And I, you know, I, I look back, you know, Derek Ruthard, of course, another Austin college alum <laughs> who you, you worked with at Clements. He's my best friend. He was the That's best my man. Boy, man. 
Yep. And uh, so when we were at Austin College, like I guess it was a springtime. It was during a spring break. We came from Sherman down to Houston because we're about to graduate. We wanted to we just put on a tie and brought our res. This is old school. This is the old school way of like we 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 had binders of our resumes and we put a tie on. We just walked into field houses. And so we walked into Clements, met Jeff Hume, was really impressed by him. Did the same thing in Dallas. We just walked into the field house, you know, no, no meeting or anything. Just, hello, sir. You know, we're, we're young coaches. We, we want to, can we visit with you? You know, and oh. he was great. But the thing I remember about him, he just kind of had that little twinkle in his eyes. Like, why are y'all here? Shouldn't you be at the beach? You know, <laughs> spring break, you know? And he kind of talked about how he's like, you know, we work hard here, but like, we also, we take time and on the weekends. We don't, I, you know, we don't work on Sundays or I, I forget, you know, something about like on the weekends, we, we, we make time for our family, you know, and that's important. He's telling us that, you know, we're 22, 23 years old, just so excited, you know, ready to just work, work, work. But he, that was a good little piece of advice that he gave that you find that perfect balance between working hard and, and time with the family. And last thing, cool thing about coach Creech that he shared with me when I interviewed him, he started out as a golf coach. And yeah. so I thought that was kind of cool that you did the golf, you know, there your oh. freshman year before just focusing on swim and football. So just kind of a little, another little correlation there, but Let's just talk about, you know, so you, you played football. Do you, this, let's talk about the swim at Dulles. So you kind of you zeroed in sophomore through senior year. You did only football and swim. You dropped the golf. So what was we talked a lot about your football experience, a great experience. What, what about the swimming side of it? Uh, I, I, you know, my mom went on to, she was a TCU swimmer, big time, really good. And I had always been pretty good in summer league. And, uh, you know, what's the big thing with swim is they have club. Uh, and, and, and I went and I think, my, when I was 11, I went to club and they put me up at the top level of the other 11 year olds. And after like, after like 10 minutes, I was dead throwing up. And I was like, that was, you know, no, I almost thought about telling that story, you know, when it went yeah. instead the Sheffield one, but that's when I was like, Oh gosh, this is different. Yeah. But my uh, sophomore, junior and senior year, uh, I would actually wake up in the morning, get to the pool, practice from five 30 to six 50 ish and then get dressed and go to school because they all had first period swim. Yeah. So they would practice till about seven 30 and I would legit leave at six 45, put on my clothes and go to school fifth period football and then practice after school. Uh, I, my junior year was, was, was the best year for swimming. I loved it. I had a really good group of guys. I had a guy named Patrick Guillory that actually came from Clements and was a stud breaststroker. So he carried us on a on his back in every relay, and we almost made the state. We got just out of the call ups for uh, out of, out of our region to go to state in a medley relay. But uh, just the big thing about swim that I loved is it it kept me in shape. Sure, <laughs> you, you that... know it was it was a great workout, and and I loved it because and it also let me have other teammates, you know, and it was a kind of a unique sport where it's an individual sport, but you still have teammates Absolutely. that you're on relays with and work through practice with. Uh, I, I love swimming and I, and then I'll, we'll talk about it later, but I got back big into swimming in college and yeah, that's kind of taken me to being a swim coach to this day. Yeah. You know, cause I, I was, I reluctantly became a thrower for the track team at Austin high school is one of those things I'd never really thought about or heard about shot and discus, but it was kind of like when football season ended and, you know, track started up, the coaches just sent us there. It was not really yeah. an option. You know, I, so I became a shot putter and I was yeah. weak and, and chubby and just, I was, you know, late bloomer my freshman year. So I, I was not good. Same thing. Sophomore year, I, I, I was developing, but I got super skinny, dropped a lot of pounds, my, my, my chubby baby weight or whatever. So still not strong enough. Junior year, I really 
started developing physically and I could really start, you know, really getting distance on the shot. And that's when I fell in love with it. And just like you said, it's an individual sport, but it meant a lot to me. My honor of going out competing in the field in you know, in the early part of the track meet and being able to come back and tell coach Brantley, coach, I got second in shot or I got, I got this many points in discus, you know, and I felt great telling and come back to tell the runners like, Hey, I got a, I got a two medals in, in the throws. Like let's win this meet, you know? And so I can, I can fully relate to what you're saying. Now, one thing I want to ask you though, coach, I played offensive tackle again. Like I said, I was a chubby kid growing up. So I was put on the old line and I later slimmed down. People always look at me. They're like, you played O line. And I'm like, yes, I did. And so, but I'm someone that struggled with weight for O lineman. I was on the end of it where I was kind of small. And so it was struggling at Austin college, eat, eat, maximizing my meal plan. And it sounds like now it's like, I wish I could still do this, but I was working hard to get the calories to try to keep weight on. It was very difficult for me to try to get, and I got up to about 240 at Austin college. It's difficult, really hard for me to do that. You, on the other hand, I imagine swimming and offensive line of all positions. I imagine in swimming, you want to lose weight. I imagine just, or be, be lean. I, I look at Michael Phelps. And I see that kind of body yeah. that doesn't look like a right tackle. <laughs> you know, and so no. <laughs> I'm, you had that unique experience of training hard in the morning at the natatorium, and then smack slinging weights in the off season in the afternoon of your football teammates. Like, was that difficult to just find your body mixture and to train different ways? I'm like really curious about that. I've never, you know, I've never really even thought about it. I've never really even thought about my weight until uh, I graduated from college. In the last few years, I put on a lot of weight. But uh, at the, you know, at the time, I would just eat a lot. Right. Uh, that was the one thing I noticed is I was eating my mom and dad out of the house uh, <laughs> whenever I was doing swimming and football. But uh, I was always a little, little heftier. Um, and you know, as much as I swam, I never really lost probably that chubby baby. Okay. I didn't lose it until I was in college, honestly, yeah. but, uh, I, I didn't really ever think about that, you know, and my coaches, they didn't, they just wanted me to be happy and make sure I didn't die in the afternoon, you know, sure. because it was a long day, Yeah. but uh, I, I would, I, I ate a lot. That was the one thing I did notice, but I never really tried to like, be like, all right, I'm going to try to put on 20, 25 pounds. Right. Right. I'm going to try to lose 10 pounds. I was just wanting to compete. I didn't, I, I didn't ever think much about that. And none of my coaches ever said anything to me about that, which, you know, that's a, could be a tough topic for some people. I would never mind it. And I would have, you know, yeah. been like, okay, I'll try to eat more, eat less, whatever. But you know, that was never a big, huge thing for, for me at, because I was just a little, I had wide shoulders and yeah. a little bit of belly fat and I was a sprinter. So yeah, it didn't affect me much. That's great coach. And I, I love it. It's another team player podcast first. I mean, you're our first football slash swimming dual sport athlete. It's very rare. And kudos to you and your coaches for support and your family, your parents. I mean, every, everything about it. I just love that. That's what we're, that's what we're promoting in athletics, right? With, Every coach is going to say we like multi-sport or 90, 90% of coaches are going to say we want multi-sport athletes. What you did is great. I love another thing. My, my brother's a head wrestling coach and I would love to start getting wrestling coaches involved because that sometimes in wrestling, there is that pressure to cut, right? That pressure to cut yeah. weight so you can get into lower weight classes and make sure you fill all of your weight divisions for so your team can have success. And, you know, you want to maybe lose weight. So you're competing against smaller sized people, you know, their natural body frame. But my brother, you know, he, he, he doesn't, he doesn't play that with his wrestling program. I mean, he's, he's a football, he's a defensive coordinator football team and he's, he's seen the physical 
toil that can take on a kid when they have to cut quickly. And he's just yeah. against it. And he goes, Hey, my wrestlers are going to wrestle at their natural weight. And we're going to just do the best that we can. If we we're, we're, there's a spot open, there's a spot open, but he, he's concerned about the health and safety of the kids. And it that's, sounds like that's what your coaches were. They just wanted you to be happy and enjoy the experience. And, and, and so kudos, just kudos to Dulles high school in general. Just, I always got the vibe as a, as a kind of a rival person. I was at Clements, which is a rival. And I was at Ridge point, which is also, you know, in district rival. I just, I always got a great vibe from Dulles. It just seemed like people were enjoyed it there. Teams always carried themselves really well on the field and the court. So, you know, coach Carabine was a, a legendary yeah. basketball coach. Yeah. Got, mm -hmm. Dulles is just one of those schools that I just really uh, enjoyed competing against. So kudos to all that. And did you get that same vibe? I'm sure from the inside, you just felt like it was a good place to be. Yeah. I mean, you said it, it's the flagship, you know, yeah. it was a mother. It. it was an old school and, and you know, it, it it was an awesome school. It, it, it was awesome. That's, I mean, I could tell a million other stories about it, but I loved it. It was, I was so happy. And what was also crazy, my senior year, uh, Jonathan Giles was a junior at Elkins. Yeah. And just a stud. And they actually, I think, went to the fourth round and lost to Katie. Mm, and I was yeah. just, I remember me and my dad went to the game just because a lot of my buddies I grew up with played on the yeah. team. And I remember telling my dad after like the first series, like I should be on that field wearing blue. And my dad just laughed. He was like, Nope, you needed to be by me. My mom went to Dallas, uh, graduated from there. 84. My aunt went to Dallas. Yeah. Uh, my, my, my grandma taught at Dallas elementary. She actually just passed away last week. And, mm -hmm. and uh, you know, Sorry, Dallas, yeah. it was, it was close to my heart. And, yeah. you know, looking back on it, I'm really glad my dad brought me there, you know, cause uh, I don't know if I would have caught that bus to go to Elkins. <laughs> I don't know if I would have woken up in the morning yeah. to go there, you know, or, and I'm glad I went to Dulles and the six in the morning, we would, me and my dad would leave at six in the morning and he had that C hall office and I'd go mm -hmm. sit there and it was, it was a family, everybody there, you know, the teachers, the administrators, everybody, it, it was an awesome school. Your Dulles there in the, you know, the 2010s reminds me a lot of Austin High School in the late 90s, early 2000s. And I had a very similar experience where I grew up in the, in, in, uh, off of Eldridge in a neighborhood called Barrington Place, which yeah. I went to Sugarland Middle School. I would have went to Kempner. So just yeah. like you, yeah. all of my buddies ended up playing high school football at Kempner. I went to Austin. When I moved, Austin was better than Kempner. But of course, just like you, as fate would have it, my senior year, Kempner goes 10 and 0, and they're playing <laughs> in the Astrodome from the playoffs against Hastings. That's you know, funny. and Roderick Wright. And I, I just, I, I had, I felt a lot like you. It was like, man, at my last year at Austin or my, both my varsity years at Austin, we're three and seven, very average team, you know, uh, Kempner goes 10 and 0. I was like, I, I could have been there. I could have, I could have played. I know I could, I know I'm the first team all district player. I knew I could start on that team, you know, but um, it just, I love, I love where I was at. Just like, yeah. you. I, 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 my coaches, coach Stewart, Coach Kitterman, all those guys, Coach Molig, you know, they're just like the coaches you described. So wouldn't change it for the world. All right, now let's talk about Austin College. <laughs> I've had a lot of Austin College guests on here, and we range in age from early 20s to into our 70s. I, I have a 70-plus-year-old team player alum uh, that, that played football in the late 60s at Austin College. Wow. And the thing I love about Austin College, and I'm feeling this with you, Coach, we've just all kind of cut from the same cloth and it spans generations. It's just very easy for us to talk to each other, you know, because <laughs> I think we're just, we're the same kind of yeah. people. When I, when I took my visit, I'd narrowed it down to three schools my senior year. It was Austin college, Trinity in San Antonio and Texas Lutheran in Seguin. 
So all very similar division three, private liberal arts colleges, very similar, you know, and Trinity and uh, Texas Lutheran had an edge because they were much closer, you know, us you know, being from Sugarland like you are. And it was my visit, just, just sold it away. I, I actually got to go to Luckett Hall, which you probably have heard stories about, but this famous dorm, it was actually the last year before it was demolished. I got to go take my visit there. Um, but meeting the players, I just knew just like talking to you and we're hitting it off. I'm having a good time. Like I just, I get these guys, like, this is my tribe, right? This, this is where I belong. These are my people. And so it was an easy decision. So I'm curious for you, had you heard of Boston college? Cause I had not before the, the coaches reached out to me about football. And then did you also have like a top three or, or did you just know instantly Austin college where you wanted to go? Um, so Austin college, what's weird about that is, uh, my summer league swim team. I had a girl that was about four or five years older than me and her mom volunteered and helped out with my mom a lot. And she went up to Austin college to play soccer. And so she had always kind of talked about it, talked about it. And I actually was uh, going to go to Tarleton state just to long snap, okay. uh, just to yeah. be a long snapper. And uh, you know, some things fell through and um, I, I didn't know if that was the right fit for me. I was going to have to compete against about three or four other long snappers, be a preferred walk on. And, and so then uh, the Texans actually would do this, I think, called a last chance, like a uh, combine mm -hmm. in the Texans bubble. And mm -hmm. I believe actually I, my class might've been the second, I think we were the first uh, class to ever have it. And um, I showed up and was just trying to be a long snapper. And there was one other long snapper there. But then in Austin College coach, oh, gosh, what was that? Uh, he was a special teams coach for a long time there. Uh, Urison. Coach Urison, I don't know if was he was know, there. I don't know. I don't recall him. But um, he just came over and was like, hey, long snap. And I did two snaps. And I think they were just looking for a warm body. But he treated me like I was. Uh, you know, the first sliced bread ever. And I was like, oh, I like this a lot. Yeah. And I uh, went up there and visited and uh, I liked it. I, I liked it a lot. And, you know, what was kind of unique and different with Austin College is, you know, I had really, I was spoiled at Dallas with coaches that had been there a long time and, you know, all that. And at Austin College, there was a lot of turnover uh, in my time at there. And so mm -hmm. I never really got to form or build a huge relationship with a coach, but the players, you know, we were very, very, very close together. Um, I don't know. Was Dawson there? While you Dawson were... was a defensive coordinator when I played. Yes. Yeah. Uh, well, but one thing we would always do at the beginning of the year, we do player introductions and you yep. would do skit. Did you yep. do that? Oh yeah, yeah. we did that. Yes. That was some of my favorite times because they would put us up in that one. I don't know if they did it there, but right off of Grand Avenue, we go up in the second story in the uh, auditorium, not auditorium, but like the, 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 the Green theater. theater room. Yes, Ida yes, Green theater. yeah. yeah. Yep. Did you all do it there too? We, I, I recall doing the cafeteria is where we did. Oh, okay, we would do it in Ida Green, and and those were some of the funniest laughs I would have. Because, you know, you try to make it really funny. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes it was a little raunchy. and It was all the boys and stuff. Yeah. So those were some of my funnest memories. But I really, you know, kind of shifted to connecting with my teammates, you know, on a whole different level. Because you're basically out there on your own, uh, you know, five and a half hours. And I honestly, I'm going to be honest, I didn't play a snap of football for Austin College. I never was good enough. They had a better long snapper than me. 
so it was kind of tough, yeah. uh, mental health, you know, wise. Sure, just, yeah. So I really had to stick together with, you know, my roommate and uh, some of the other guys that didn't play much because, you know, you, you dream and you hope that whole summer to get up there and be a stud when yeah. you're just kind of a scout team guy. And, right, sure. and then I got injured at the end of my freshman year and uh, had to have reconstructive knee surgery. So sophomore year, actually, I think he's been on the podcast, Ben Moran. Yeah, Ben Moran. Yep. Uh, so Ben Moran had a sports hernia at the time too and had surgery and uh, I don't think he played again after, and he kind of shifted to the college uh, to coaching he, side. He but, he was someone that because uh, I coach as a GA. Ben yeah. actually was still had eligibility left and coached his senior. He began his yep. career as a senior. So yes, you're correct. I think that was episode but, seven, maybe or it's one of the earlier episodes. Yeah, definitely check out the Ben Moran episode if you haven't. That's one of the great guy. He's, he's actually the second funny. most listened to in team player podcast history, right behind really? Coach Sniffin. So like th- those are two of the heavy hitting, most listened to popular episodes. So yeah, definitely check it out. Ben Moran's a legend. It'll always be super cool to see him walk in the Clements Fieldhouse as a uh, recruiting coordinator. Yeah. But um, my sophomore year, me and Ben, you know, we both love football and we're both yeah. injured and said we still want to be a part of the program. So we would go up into the press box of Jerry Apple yeah. and the offense, no, the defense would practice on the actual field. And then I found this small little hole. I can't even describe it. Probably like three feet wide. I don't know why it was there, but I had had big time reconstruct knee surgery. So I put a table. I had somebody bring a table up and put a chair and I would sit in this chair elevated at about four feet and record the offensive practices from this little hole. Cause I told the coach, told the coaches, I was like, I think we could get a good angle right there. I'll put a table up there and a yeah. chair. I'll sit on the chair. And it was so funny one time. Uh, we're in the middle of practice and the table gave way and I fell. <laughs> and Ben Moran peeks around the corner. He's like, you're right over there. I was like, please come and help me. <laughs> and he <helped laughs> me back up. But that, that was, you know, really good. I love Ben Moran because me and him, you know, whenever offense and defense would go together, I would shift back over to him and we would just talk, you know, yeah, yeah. And talk about football talk about life and he was from tomball so yeah. you know kind of cut from the same cloth as me yeah. i felt like and uh he was a good dude and uh went on to stick around with the program i went around my junior year um tried to play football again and i was getting some good reps in in fall camp uh just played nervous though because of yeah. my leg yeah and um i uh went on that year, actually, in the fall, I had ESS, exercise sports science. Yep. I was a history and education major and wanted to blow off class. <laughs> <laughs> so I took this ESS class, and the uh, teacher was actually the swim coach, uh-huh. uh, Bob Filander. Uh, you know, you know, someone just like Jim Creech and Coach Call to me. Yeah. Uh, you know, those are my three guys that are considered family to me because Coach Filander, he, he didn't know I was swimming, a swimmer. But I was struggling a lot, you know, because I, I would, you know, I would practice and I'll play scared and I'll ask to be taken out. Yeah, I was just worried about my leg. I played like a baby. And um, Coach Filander, it was like after Thanksgiving break, when we came back and had a little two-week gap, you know, um, I was like, man, I, I, you got any room on your swim team? I was joking around with him one day. He's like, what do you mean? I was like, man, I swam in high school. And uh, I think that that day he went home and looked up my high school swim times and comes back the next day. He's like, hey, uh, 
why don't you uh, come on out and to a practice? And I was like, uh, I mean, I just had my leg reconstructed last year. I guess I'll give it a try. But uh, I went to a practice and uh, fell in love, fell yeah. in love with the sport again. Uh, and, and I just remember leaving to go to the calf after. And it was like the first time I had smiled my whole junior year. Yeah. I was walking with some other swimmers and I laughed at something. It was like the first time I smiled. Huh? And, and college is tough and that things happen, you know, with people. But, you know, and, and that helped me smile again and sparked my love again and, and pulled me out of a dark hole. <laughs> That's great to hear. You know, just some of the things you talked about that little stanza there. Um, I remember one of the hardest moments is being a freshman in fall camp. When you leave your home for the first time and you, you I remember they, they kept, they put us in Dean Hall, you know, one of the, the dorms there. And I, you're kind of just by yourself. Dirty like, Dean. I, yeah. Yeah. And I, I think I might've had a roommate, but maybe that person didn't maybe end up leaving. The, I, I felt like I was just alone in this dorm room. Yeah. And it's just, it's just every morning it's two a day practice. You know, you get up early in the morning, you go to practice, you eat. It's just, the days just blend together and it just feels like this. And it, it's difficult. You know, when yeah. you're missing home and it's, yeah. you're working hard. And so I, I can, I, I, I feel kind of what you're describing there with the grind of football. Um, also those little, those fun shows, you know, those skits, um, David Norman, I take it was your athletic director at the time. Yeah. Or? Yeah. yeah. I know you've, yeah, I, I didn't really have a huge connection with him, but, uh, I knew of him and I think he knew of me. <laughs> yeah. Good dude. Yeah, no, absolutely. And you know, a lot of our guests, you know, have, have kind of like just, really enjoy talking about him and I, I did too i did too because then he I, I was kind of known as like an, a good impersonator of coach norman you know i've talked about it on the show a couple of times i think one of the skits i may have done like an impression and kind of a thing and the, the guys you know kind of went crazy for it but um but yeah no lots of great memories there and i just i i think that's awesome you know that that you found that that right fit and you rediscovered your passion for swim and so once you actually were able to connect with coach uh Feilander and get on the team did I pronounce that right? That correctly? Yeah, no, you're Coach right. Yeah, just, Coach Filander, and then what, once you get back on there and, and kind of no, get you're back, right. back into the flow, what was that like? I mean, what, how did how did your final two seasons of competing on the swim team go at Austin College? Well, I laughed because my junior year it was more just trying to get back into shape. I came, sure. you know, uh, Christmas break, I didn't go home, and I just stayed there and practiced. And um, so uh, they had a the mile long race. And I was looking up, you know, we were in the SCAC and I was looking up the year before and I noticed that, you know, a lot like you said with your track thing, this kind of goes into that. But I noticed the year before only six guys did the mile. So I'm like, coach, if I just swim the mile and complete it, I get a seventh place and I get us points. Yeah. And he's like, yeah. uh, are you sure you want to do that? Because nobody else at the time was like a long distance swimmer. <laughs> Yeah. And so I'm like, yeah, I'm going to do it. Let's do it. And so I swam the 50 free in the mile at conference championships my junior year. And about wow, you, you are, I should title this episode, the man of contrast. You are the ultimate man of contrast, the right tackle slash swimmer, first of all, and then 50 meter slash mile. <laughs> yeah. I've yeah. never heard of that. I've never heard of somebody. That is awesome. And, and and so I just knew going in the race, I'm just like, just finish, just finish. Because these other six guys were good. And I'm just like, coach, I can get us some points. But I remember after about, it's 1650. So uh, it's 1650. And after 500 yards, 
I literally, my coach would just Philander just cheer me on. And I'm, as I'm about to do my flip turn, I just said, I can't do this. And put my head back down and I made the flip. And I was about to just grab the lane rope and get out. But every time I breathed, he just gave me these thumbs up. Yeah. And I'm looking at him the whole time. The next 25, I'm like, all right, I can do this. And then I ended up finishing, getting like seventh and uh, earning us some points. And I remember going over to everybody. I was like, I got us points. Uh, because the mile was actually at the very end of Friday, uh, the Friday session. So literally everybody left. But Coach Filander yeah. had everybody stay on our team. That's to awesome. Cheer me on. So as I'm breathing every time, I'm seeing all my teammates cheer me on. And uh, I did not swim the mile my senior year. <laughs> <laughs> I got a little faster and did the uh, 200 fly and the um, 100 fly. What's the 200 fly and the mile are uh, a man's race. I joke around with our swim coach at Austin because yeah. she gets, she swam the 200 fly. And I said, it's a man's race. She's like, well, I'm a woman and I swam it. So, yeah. but it's a tough race and I loved it. And, and I loved my whole experience at Austin college. I wouldn't have traded it for the world, you know, learning from my mistakes and getting to know people, but that was my experience with swim. <laughs> no, nah, man, I, I love it. I, I share on the podcast all the time. Like my one regret from Austin college is like, I told that story about how I had trouble keeping weight. And so I went from being a really, I had a really good junior season at right tackle. I played right tackle just like you did coach. And I had a really great season. I played defensive end my first two years, again, because I thought I was too small coming out of high school. So I, I asked to be recruited as a defensive end. Coach Dawson and Coach Norman, who was my head coach, honored that request. So I came in as a defensive end, was a second-string defensive end freshman and sophomore year, was in the rotation, never earned a starting spot. Coming into junior year, they asked me, hey, Q, was my nickname, you know, Q, we know you, you, you know, you, you're a tackle in, in high school, and we, we can, you can help us. And so I, at that time I was gung ho. I said, let's do it. I loved, I want, I was like going riding a bike. I felt so good at right tackle. I just, and pass protection is like my thing. I just loved it. I loved to yeah. pull. I was kind of like athletic style, you know, offensive lineman. I like to play basketball was all the time. So I was, I was that kind of offensive lineman. So I just worked on putting on a little bit more weight. It went from two thirty to two forty, but it was a really good season. But again, I let the outside, my outside image of myself and my body saying I'm, I'm too small for this. I can't be the best at 240 pounds in this, in this dish, in this conference. You know, I was like, I, I'd always wanted to play tight end. I was one, you know, I, I was one of those all linemen want to play tight end, but I actually yeah. felt like I kind of <laughs> had a little bit of a, an argument. <laughs> and I, you know, I could play basketball. I was athletic in that, in that sense. And so I just really wanted to do it. And I, I lobbied and lobbied and it just, as that started picking up steam, that sentiment in my head for the first time in my life, I wasn't being a team player. And that's ironic. That's the name of this podcast, the team player podcast. So up until that, you can ask all my coach Kitterman, coach Stewart, all those guys, you know, cause actually I actually won an award. I think it was maybe, I forget the, the name, uh, uh, some kind of uh, basically an award for being a good teammate. I can't remember his name. I after think I know what you're, they give Joe it to Spencer every or slash yeah. I, I forget the, the, it's the named name after somebody, so, I think so many years, but I, my, my teammates still voted me as best teammate. I don't know what they were thinking because I was a terrible teammate my senior year, but I guess I guess I got some some cred for my my freshman through junior. I was a good, I was a great teammate, but anyhow, once I let that idea kind of seep into my head, it just became all consuming, and so I changed my body. I worked on speed. I, I threw with my friend Derek. You know, was, a, was one of our qu quarterbacks. Ended up switching receiver, but I I got I changed my body and really it it helped me in my coaching career, I guess, to play that position. But long story short, I became selfish. I made a decision that I thought would benefit me and didn't didn't think about what was best for the team because I was a starter. 
I mean, they lost a starting offensive tackle so that I could do my little experiment, you know, to try to switch positions. And then at the end of the day, there was no tight end. The offense that we selected for our senior yeah. year did, did not feature a tight end. And so I was left like kind of a man about position. I'd, I'd gone too far to go back to O-line at this point, And I, I wanted to see it through. And I ended up playing kind of a, a slot back, a wing back position. Oh, I mean, wow. I, I'm a former right tackle. Running? I was a pitch man on the option. You know, yeah, so they were it was triple a triple complete... option at the time, right? Uh, no, this was before. But we, we okay. were out of a spread. We would do some things with the option. Okay, okay. And yeah, and Ronnie Gage came in the following year when I was a GA coach and brought in the flex bone. But um, that's right. Yeah, I heard about hey, those you know, days. I, I, the year before I had my hand in the dirt playing right tackle, and now I'm I'm the pitch man on the option. So I was a complete fish out of water. Yeah. Honestly speaking, I'm kind of proud of the fact I was I was able to be second string behind Jack Floyd. He's a you know good friend of mine. He's a coach now, but. I don't know how I got the second string of all those things considered, but at the end of the day, I wish I would have long story short. And I would always tell this to my kids at Ridgepoint or all, you know, I always share the story that you can do everything right from age 14 to 22. And then you just let one negative thought creep into your head and it can kind of just change everything. And I, I, I look back on that. I'm kind of ashamed, you know, that that happened, you know, and I, I told coach Norman, when I saw him at legends weekend, you know, we, we had a couple of drinks. He gave me a big hug. You know, I said, coach, I'm sorry for that bullshit. I pulled my senior year and he gave me a big <laughs> hug. He's like, I love you Q, you know, and it's all forgotten, but that's a learning thing. Just like you said, you know, you made mistakes during your time in Austin college. You learn from it. That, that's, mistakes. The, that, that's the big thing, right? I was able to, I made a mistake, but you can't dwell on them. I move forward. I, I tell it, you know, I told it to my players. I have a son now. I'm definitely going to tell him that story as he grows up to just, at the end of the day, always trust the coach. Believe in these guys. Those coaches, like for me, Coach Stewart, Coach Kitterman, are just like your Coach Call and Coach Creech. And they made such a difference in my life when I, I've, I've shared on the, I, I shared on the podcast, like I came from an abusive home. My dad was an abuser. And so I would just always be the kid up late at night trying to go to sleep while my parents are screaming and doing crazy stuff downstairs and just I wanted to get out of that house and speed to school where I knew I was my coaches loved me and they made me feel good about myself and so I don't know I, what I'm saying is always trust these coaches that's why I do this podcast I want parents and everybody to, I want to scream it from the rooftops that coaches like yourself are the most important people in our society and I'm not throwing shade out there's other first responders I get it doc medical everything's important but like coaches are so important and I just want to do that. And that's why, like I said, it's funny looking back on it now that one year that I wasn't a team player and now I host a team player podcast to try to right those wrongs. But coach, <laughs> I, I can relate, man. Love everything that you said. Also love that your teammates supported you. Yeah. Um, you know, that they, yeah. they wanted, they were there hooping and hollering, cheering for you. And I think that, you know, your, your relationship with coach Filander, uh, how you found someone again that, that you really connected with. I, I feel like you wanted to do it for him. I, I feel yeah. like that, that pushed you when it was, physically difficult for you to do that kind of race when he when he gave you those thumbs up you're like i'm gonna do it for coach like i remember when i threw the shot put i loved coach brantley who's the head coach at elkins yeah, so you probably yeah. i'm sure you know dennis brantley he was my head track coach when i was at austin and he was just one of those guys along with coach kidderman my o-line coach there's something about him they're just a kid magnet and there's something about those coaches like i wanted so desperately to make them proud of me so Coach Kitterman, I saw as a father figure when I had that bad relationship with my dad growing up in high school. Yeah. Coach Brantley, the same way. Like, I wanted to make him proud. And I remember going into my senior year, I told you I was kind of a late bloomer. I was terrible freshman, sophomore. Junior year, I started hitting like 45 feet. I was like, okay, I'm getting there, you know, towards the end. That's or good. low four, somewhere in the 43, something like that. And I remember at the beginning of the season, Coach Brantley came up to me and goes, Kobe, I need you to get me 50 this year. And I, I in my head, you I'm like, there's it. no way I can't get the 50. I, th I think I was more like 41, 42. So I was like, at that time, I thought, no way. You know, but I said, I'm going to do it. Coach, 
guess how many times I threw 50 feet in my career? Once. One time. <laughs> I did it one time at the district championship meet and I delivered our team a silver medal and I got the, you know, the eight points, you know, for doing that. But I, that was one of my proudest experiences to run back to the field and just report to coach Brantley. I did it coach. I hit 50. I got a second place. I got those points. So when you're talking about like the pride of saying I got those points, that's how I felt. I got yeah. those points, coach. I got to, you know, and I, I, I love your story, man. Love every bit of it. I'm glad you had a great experience at Austin college. And you know, I'm so, I'm so happy that you were able to find that happiness again going into your final two years there. So now, you know, you, you finished though. And this is a question I always ask. The results are kind of surprising. About 70% of my guests who are winning coach of the year awards like yourself. I've had so many coach of the years on this show. It's crazy. 70, about 70% of my guests though, when they walked into a college campus, they did not think they were going to coach. They were preparing to do some other kind of career. So I got to ask you, when you stepped foot on in, in uh, onto campus in Sherman, did you think you were going to coach or were you were prepping to do something else? I knew I wanted to be a coach. Okay. Um, just because of my mom. Yeah. Um, you know, she was a coach. My dad was in education. And I, I knew about spring break in my senior year, I want to be a coach. And plus, Austin College has that teacher program. We're both, so that we're was both kind of, I was a part of that as well. Yes. Yeah. That was kind of what Shout out Tom Baker and Julia Shaheed. And I don't Julia know if they were still there. Oh, oh, man. Uh, Julia Shaheed was the old older lady, right? Or was she? The, the older white lady, right? She was, uh, yes. Okay. Because there was another one, uh, Sandy Philippos. I don't know if she I was, didn't know her, no. Yeah. But Julia Shaheed, I loved her. Yeah. But yeah. Th I kind of went to Austin College because I knew I wanted to be a coach. And um, yeah, I mean, I think just having, you know, I'm, I think I'm like a fifth generation teacher in my family. Yeah. Uh, so I, I, I kind of knew. And my dad was like, you sure you want to do this? I'm like, yeah, I want to do it. He's like, all right. But yeah, the, I knew going into college, I wanted to be a coach and I wanted to teach history. I love, love history. And uh, yeah. Well, you, you and I are very similar. I also, I knew from seventh grade, I wanted to be a coach because I just fell in love with the environment so much. I knew I, I just, I, I lived and breathed being a part of the football team. That was my identity. And I knew I couldn't leave it. And the only reason I bring that up and I love talking about it is just for anyone listening. If you're not a coach, but, and you feel like, Oh, I'm too far behind. I'll never, I've been doing something else. I'm, it's never too late. That's why I bring up that stat. I've seen so many times the story of someone coming from another field and, and hey, people like us that, that always want to do it. We're great too, but I'm, I don't want anyone to, 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 uh, you know, def stop themselves from, from trying teaching if they have a heart for kids. At the end of the day, that's what we need. We need people that yeah. are going to love kids, you know? And so please, it's never too late. I've got so many examples of people that did it. But you, so you end up coming back home, and you're going to you, you decide to kind of return here to your home district. And I believe that your first stop was at Clements, correct? Yeah, it was, it was actually George Ranch at the time had the head swim opening. And oh, okay. Yeah, things fell through. They didn't have the numbers for history classes for me to actually have a uh, kids to teach so I that fell through like at the very end of July after the whole summer I thought I was gonna go there and um you know my dad being an administrator in the district I'm like uh dad what do I do uh yeah he's like go home send an email to every single middle school principal and every single high school principal 
And so I did that and sent them. I stayed up and sent emails from about 4 p.m. to 11 p.m. Love it. And the next morning, I get a, a voicemail from Bobby Darnell. Team player yeah. podcast alum. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, uh, I love, I love him. And, and I'll talk more, a little more now, but um, he's like, hey, uh, want you to come on up. And, you know, um, I hear you um, have a teaching certification in history. Somebody had just left. Uh, I think he left and kind of left really late notice mm-hmm. and went to Angleton. And so they had an opening for U.S. history and assistant offensive line. And um, I went in there, interviewed with Coach Darnell, and then he took me over to uh, the, the, the building to interview with Mr. Yaffe, who was my middle school principal in wow. sixth and seventh grade. Yeah. And uh, I was nervous, nervous, nervous. And uh, they offered me a job before I left the building and loved it. Uh, but the thing was, is I kind of had to shift because at that point, I'm like, okay, I need to, a job to make a living. You know, yeah. I didn't know if I was going to go coach club swim, uh, you know, after George, after everything fell through. And so I'm like, all right, well, I guess I'm a football coach now. I had no clue what I was getting myself into. Uh, no clue. Yeah. <laughs> it a lot of hours. But um, the thing that I loved about Clements was the coaches were so together. Um, I had uh, Bobby Darnell, a uh, Derek Ruthard, man. Yeah. I've had a lot of good times with that guy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Francis. Garrett yeah. Oakley, uh, um, uh, the late but great Easy De Los Santos. Absolutely. Um, uh, Brent Evett in, in E-Spot, you know, the E-Unit. I, I was, I have not thought about Brent Evett in so many years, but he, he and I had a great relationship. I think he kind of like saw me as a, you know, young guy that he liked and we took me under his wing. But he so. did with me. What's actually crazy about Coach Evett is, um, you know, my second year there, he, he started inviting me over to his barbecues at his house okay. and I love him so much and his barbecue so much. I moved 15 houses down from him. <laughs> that is great. So anytime I ever have a car issue, he, his redneck self comes and fixes it for a 12 pack <laughs> and yeah. very nice guy. But the, the thing that I loved about Clements and coaching another great coach, Van Price, the basketball yeah. coach. Great season this year. Oh my goodness. Oh, yeah. We need yeah. to get him on the podcast for sure. It was so funny, you know, I left Clements and I coached basketball and football with Price and them. And so my dad always jokes around and says, gosh, Clements just needed to get rid of you for them to have some good seasons. Because <laughs> my first year we've struggled. Oh, I think we went one and nine and, right. and three and seven. And But then after I leave, the football team goes to playoffs. The basketball team goes like yeah. three or four rounds deep. So my dad always gave me a hard time about that. But um, it just – those guys were amazing fathers. Yeah. Uh, and they really, you know, balanced everything. And Coach Oakley one time, you know, gave us a presentation to just the coaches and challenged us to go home with the same passion and energy to love your wife and love your kids that you did at the school. Because it's really tough to get there, coach, coach, and be high energy. And then you come home and you're tired and you don't yeah. want to do the laundry. You don't want to do the dishes. You don't want to change diapers. And, and that was something that really stood out to me was those guys were amazing fathers. Uh, you know, coach, I had the blessing of coaching uh, Marcus and Micah Darnell yeah, uh, in basketball. Yeah. And it was very, very nerve wracking because I was, I was a bad basketball coach. And I think we won one game my freshman year and uh, coach Darnell was always in the stands and I would be freaking out because 
we're down, you know, 45 to seven Elkins. I'm like, I'm going to lose my job. He's going <laughs> to fire me. But I, I loved that his kids were always there. Coach Darnell, you know, always, you know, if, if there was a family issue, he let you handle it. We put in a lot of work, a lot of hours. And um, I, I loved working with those guys. But, you know, kind of like my experience in college, you know, swim just kept pulling on me. I knew that was yeah. always my thing. Yeah. And uh, someone my mom grew up with, uh, Aaron North, who's the head swim coach uh, in, uh, at uh, Austin, ever since I was at Clements, about once a semester, she would email me, hey, when are you coming over? When are you coming over here? <laughs> and then uh, my wife last year was kind of like, you know, I don't know if we can do football seasons anymore. This is sure. getting to be a lot of work. Yeah. And then I was like, okay. And I was kind of burnt out and, and I always loved swim. And I was actually, uh, my third year at Clements, I actually helped coach the swim team and, uh, doing that, I was kind of like, all right, you know, you, you, you think about, you smell something and I would smell the grass clippings of a football field. And I would just think of work. And then I would yeah. walk into a swimming pool of chlorine and I would yeah. smile. I loved it. And, uh, she pulled me over there and I'm now at Austin. I teach AP US history and we're starting water polo this year. And uh, I coach assistant swim as well. And that's my experience as a high school coach. Man, it's just so funny. Again, the parallels. Mr. Yaffe right. was your middle school principal. When I got the job at Clements and interviewed of Kevin Moran, he was my, uh, he was an assistant principal at Austin. It's really? just so funny how history funny. history tends to repeat itself. We're both right tackles. I mean, just just so many little things uh, like that are, are so funny. Man, Garrett Oakley, shout out Garrett Oakley. I went to Sugarland Middle School with him. He really, was one of those guys that went on to Kempner. We both had little butt cuts that was popular in the late nineties. Both you know parted the hair down the middle. So Garrett had one of those too. I, I got those old photos in the yearbook, man. But uh, I loved I love Coach Oakley. He was a good dude. Oakley was great, man. Evett. Evan, that that brought a big smile to my face, and all all those yeah, guys. And like his his son is like twenty two years old, and I've kind of adopted him, <laughs> and he's over every weekend hanging out and golfing with me. And I, I, the Evans have adopted me. You know, he's a real he's not in coaching anymore. He wanted to get a chance to watch his son throw discus. His son's a really good discus thrower okay. at uh, Fulcher, so he just Very teaches cool. math at Fulcher now and backed away from coaching and. He's a good dude. I love Coach Abbott. You know, one thing I, I want to back up a step and ask you, because I was a, I was embroiled in a big rivalry with Elkins at Ridgepoint and Clements. But both of those games were – we were both rivals. at Clements and Ridgepoint are both heavy. The, the Elkins game, our first ever varsity football game against Elkins when I was at Ridgepoint is – Hall Stadium was sold out. I've yeah. never seen that. We'll dude, probably never see yeah. that again. Legend. Legendary games. Legendary Wait, games. Highway 6 – cup or rivalry they I, would call it yeah or i forget the exact we didn't we didn't actually have a trophy at that time for it or anything yeah. but that i recall but we, yeah, we played on a thursday night it was on the cube and Ridgepoint uh, Jonathan, literally made shirts that says beat elkins that they still wear to this day the purple Sammy edwards our principal made that and put a lot of pressure on coach sniffing you know our, our head coach and us to, to, to follow through well luckily we did it uh but jonathan giles was the quarterback you mentioned so my question being when you i'll just back up one step i wanted to ask you this earlier but i forgot when you played football at dulles what was that like because I, I experienced it whenever we used to play Kempner. I was blocking guys that I played middle school football with. Yeah. What was it like for you? Was was it something where there was like animosity or it sounds like you were still buddy-buddy with everybody? Or what was it like playing Dulles versus Elkins as a player? 
Dallas versus Elkins. So funny story, my senior year, Elkins was really good, like I said. Mm. And we were actually up like 14 smash with about two minutes left in the second quarter. Mm. And it's on Cube, uh, Channel 59. On, yeah. You know, they would yeah. do the Thursday night games. Yep. And the only snap, bad snap I ever had in my life in a game yeah. was against Elkins. And I snapped it probably like 10 feet over the head. Just right. awful snap. They pick up the ball, score a touchdown. Our returner muffs it. And the next thing you know, we're going to the half and we're down four. We're, we're tied 14-14. But I do remember one time, my my neighbor actually, uh, I, I, it was a play out on the sideline. And I we all ended up on the ground and he was on the sideline and he kicked me and <laughs> I looked back and I was all mad. And then I realized it was him and he just had a grin on his face yeah. and I just started laughing. I mean, I, I didn't, you know, rivalry. What I think a rivalry for me now is uh, me trying to beat Clements and swim because sure. they're really good. Yeah. I've never really had a rivalry, you know, other than the Cowboys. I hate the Cowboys, but okay. you know, those dudes were all family to me. Uh, so you know, and but it was still business. You know, if there was a, a dude down the street, I think like three streets down that played defensive end against me and it was strictly business, you know, but after the game, they were family, you know, but I, I was definitely Elkins was our biggest rival uh, just because they're really, really good when I was there. And, look, and I always I kind of, you know, always think of myself, you know, David and Goliath try to be the little man, beat the yeah. big man, you know. Yeah. Uh, Clements has a really, really good swim team. And, you know, having left Clements, that's who I'm always chasing. Absolutely. I'm always trying to beat them and, and and be happy with second in this district because they are really, really good. One thing I did want to say, you know, you mentioned the long snapper. That's a very solitary position. It's just like kicker, you know. It's almost worse in that, like, you – when kicker makes a nice kick, everybody's happy. Like when you make a great snap, nobody notices. Like they're only yeah, going to notice yeah. you when the, really the one time you have your bad snap. And my brother was also a deep snapper like you. So again, another little collection, uh, you know, connection there. I remember his first ever uh, varsity. St- no, no, it was his first. He, he made varsity as a sophomore as a deep snapper at Travis yeah. High School. And I remember the first time that he he had to play against Clements, where I was coaching. So here I am. I'm on the staff at Clements, and like so. You know, the coaches know that my brother's the deep snapper for Travis and they're talking, you know, crap to me all, you know, hope we don't mess it up. And, you know, they're talking. So I have that pressure of like wanting to beat them, but wanting him to snap well. And of course, as luck would have it, it's raining at Mercer Stadium in that game. So he- here he is a little sophomore deep snapper. He's got Ray Oppman, who was this stud oh. middle linebacker. You may have heard yeah. of him. He was incredible standing right over him, stomping at him, you know, trying to, you know, and uh, the kid stepped up. That's why I knew he was a gamer. He d- d- drilled all the snaps. You really? Know? And Clements won the game. I have I'd forget. I forget who won the game. But um, anyhow, I just understand, you know, the pressure of a deep snapper. And so, yeah. again, but, you know, to finish my brother's story, he was someone that ended up getting a scholarship uh, at Central Oklahoma, Division II school. For, yeah. All he did was deep snap. Much like you said, it, it was understood that he did not get that scholarship out of high school. He had to go there and compete and earn it. But they said, if you if you win the starting job, we will scholarship you. And they held true to their word. He earned it as a freshman. And so starting his spring semester of freshman year, he, he was on scholarship. But that's something for parents to consider. I mean, you, you've kind of been a part of it. You, deep snapping is so – coaches get it. Deep snapping is so important. So definitely – you know, It was it, kind it, of funny, too, is my, my freshman year when I golfed, the golf coach was Coach Manti, Greg Manti yeah. at Dulles. And um, he, like my sophomore year, literally pointed – 
was like, Hey, I'm going to teach you how to long snap. And he taught me how to long snap. And that's how I learned. But and one other thing about a rivalry, funny story about sure. Bush high school. My dad was the associate principal there my senior year Okay, left after my junior year. And so, uh, my dad told all the football players there that, that, Hey, you're playing my son. And so we were over in the end zone corner of Mercer stadium by the wave side, warming up with coach call. And, and, uh, I remember they had just gotten done warming up and we're still warming up and all these Bush guys come by and they start talking a bunch of mess to me. And then the two D linemen that I knew I was going to go against, they come up and, give me a shoulder check as they're walking to there. And then of yeah. course, one of them, Carl Kalubi goes up and gives them a shoulder check. Yeah. And we had a little bit of yelling back and forth yeah. before the game. Reminded me, you know, Ohio state, yeah. Michigan vibes, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and just because of my dad, you know, was over there talking mess saying, Hey, make sure you rough up my son. And so and these dudes didn't mess around. They took it to heart. <laughs> well, Bush had a couple of NFL defensive ends. I mean, yeah, I know they've had a few I, I that have made a, it. Yeah. I have a picture of me like, my my waist down, I'm straight, but my like I'm yeah. going back like this in in past setting, just trying to fight for my life. Sure, with sure. them, man. Great stories there. So now you know you again. You, your your life always comes back home to the pool, and I love seeing your happiness, Coach. I can just see it. Like, I, you you got the bright red hair. You got the your pictures on Facebook where I mean you're just yeah. like screaming, you know, like down to your your athletes in in the water and just you're just you're you're loving it, man. I can tell you're just eating it up, you know, being a part of that program at Austin. So, just just can you describe for us what that transition's been like to go from coaching football to coaching swim and how and just how how you're processing because you you're our first ever swim coach. So please just tell us what we don't know my, my listener base. I've, I think very few of us have ever spoken this in depth of a swim coach. So tell us what we need to know about coaching swim at the high school level. Um, I, I think, you know, coaching swim at the high school level to have a talented team, you have to have a relationship with the club team because mm. UIL only allows eight hours a week. And, and those kids are putting in 20, 25 hours a week with clubs. So the first thing is having a relationship with your club coach. Cause realistically you know the really elite level swimmers you don't work a lot with them Mm -hmm. uh so i more really try to focus with those kids and you know coach north we try to focus on little things while they're there whether it be their start uh how how many strokes they're taking for 100 freestyle on their third lap versus their first lap uh, stroke rate, uh, flip turns, and trying to fine-tune those elite-level kids because, you know, of the 45, 50 kids on our swim team, 10 or 15 do club. And then with the other kids that we have, we try to stack yardage on them and then do kind of technique-type days when we have the club kids. But it is a, a, a unique sport because the kids just stare at a black line. They, sure. they just stare at a black line for an hour and a half, two and a half hours a day. Yeah. So I really try to make, make it fun, yeah. you know, when in between sets playing music and, yeah. and letting the kids know that you care about them. And another really unique change for me was, you know, dealing with, you know, stinky boys and, yeah. and coaching freshman basketball to, you know, having girls that you have to coach, which is a whole different aspect of coaching. So really just getting to know your swimmers and how they tick, which, you know, that's almost every sport. 
but half the battle is between your ears with swimming, you know, getting up on the block, channeling in your best race, positive thought. I always say, you know, positive thoughts lead to positive actions. You know, it, uh, you know, if you're freaking out about your race, you're probably not going to have a good race, you know, get up on that block with a smile and, and race your butt off. Uh, but you know, this year has been kind of unique because we started water polo last week right. and hopefully, you know, as this podcast comes out, I'll be hosting a district championship Absolutely. for boys and girls water polo for our, for your alma mater. But, yep. um, you know, shifting from an individual sport to now this is a team sport, but still using all the same kids that kind of have an individual sport mindset. It's been unique because we actually started doing water polo in the off season last year in February. So my kids, they didn't skip a beat when they got in Monday. I've got a full squad team ready to go because there's some teams in the district that couldn't put together a team, uh, you know, and, and which is it, it stinks. But I hope in the future everybody can have a, a water polo team like they have swim uh, because some people fight back on water polo because they're worried about injuries and whatnot. Yeah. But um, just loving on the kids is, is the biggest thing that I, I do. And it's a long season. You know, we always try to start off the season with a pasta night at one of the coaches' houses. And, you know, letting the kids know you care is the biggest, biggest thing. Because if they know you love them, and just like Coach Filander was giving his thumbs up mm -hmm. to me, I'm hoping those kids that they see me giving them a thumbs up are like, I'm putting everything into this for Coach Brogan. And so water polo starts at the beginning of the school year. You yes. I take it. And so, and 100% of your team is your swim athletes. Like it's, it's kind of expected yes. that that's their, it's like when I did yeah. track as a football player, it's, that's kind of expected as your off season. Yeah. Some yeah. of the club kids um, aren't doing, I have about three or four club kids that aren't doing it because of shoulder issues okay. and uh, they can't throw a ball. I have a couple sure. kids. There's that even... factor, right? It's not all the swimming. Now you actually have the, the throwing aspect, which is... In March, I realized there was a few girls. I was like, oh, wow, y'all have never thrown a ball before. Yeah. And so that was half the battles, getting them to throw a ball. But uh, it, it is a lot like track for swim. Uh, what for about the football. treading water aspect of it? Does that translate, like, that ability to tread water for so long? Does that improve your swimming times? Or oh, yeah, something... 100%. Okay. I mean, I, I don't see... I haven't seen the proof yet because this will be our first year, but a lot of our really good breaststrokers are good at water polo because it's an egg beater kick for water polo. Yeah. You're treading water and egg beating, okay. which is, you know, you you think of an egg beater going around yeah. like that. That's basically what your right leg's going like this okay. and it's rotating yeah. as the other one is doing it to keep you afloat. Uh, but, I've been doing uh, it all wrong. I think then I don't think that <laughs> when I try to, when I try to tread water, I'm at the lake or something, but I like that. That's good to know. And one yeah. thing I'm curious about, I know Austin College, I believe, went to the semifinals this year in yeah. women's water polo. And so, <laughs> of course, right as I left Austin <laughs> College, they added water polo. And now Fort Ben ISDs, because I'm a big dude, I'm a good swimmer. I think water polo would have been my wheelhouse. Absolutely. But, but yeah, uh, Mark Lawrence actually is someone I've leaned on uh, for um, a lot of help with water polo. He's the water polo coach there at Austin College. I got to know him my senior year. Um, and when they were, they, they, they kind of did a pilot of it senior year yeah. and then they made it a real NCAA thing the year after it left. So he has helped me a lot with, you know, practice sets, formations, because, uh, you know, ever since I found out this was going to be a thing, I've just been emailing anybody that will respond to me, water polo wise, right. YouTube, 
because I, I know nothing about water polo as of February of 2022. And so the last six months, I wouldn't say I'm a guru, but I've learned a lot about yeah. the game uh, to hopefully help my kids be able to compete this year. How's your how's your whistle, Coach? Because I, I I see the swim, the swim coaches on the side like they do that whistle thing. Yeah, my mom has one. She tried to teach me to do it. I, I have never been able to do it, but I can get a deep voice. Shoot, shoot. That's okay. That's so you can thing. use voice commands as well. It didn't have to necessarily, but I I see those coaches, man. They can whistle so good. I'm like, oh, oh I know my, my mom will just go. I don't know how she does it, but you have to close your tongue. I can't do it. And again, just for me, I mean, I'm assuming it's something to deal with, like as the athlete's head comes out of the water, they're listening for yes. you. But can, can you just give us a, a high overview up. of what 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 are you communicating there with that? Uh, just <laughs> you're not communicating anything because honestly, swimmers aren't even listening when they're when they're swimming. Right. It's just making noise to let them know that you're there. That's that's okay. why I do it. It's. And then sometimes, you know, with the shoot, I say it to emphasize that. And then other times with summer league, it's a little less loud. Uh, yeah. So I'll yell glide if they're needing to glide out longer and shoot okay. if they're needing to press their body forward more. Uh, those are the two things I would yell. And it's only during breaststroke. Everything else, they can't even really hear you. So, I, I've always wondered that, Coach. I'm so glad I got to ask because I've always wondered, yeah. like, man, can can these swimmers really process like command? You know, it's just like so much going it, it on. Means but... nothing. It, it means nothing. You know, and it, it, the proof is in the progress of practice. So sure, sure. It, once you show up to the pool, there ain't nothing you can do other than mentally tell them to swim well. Coach, you know, now that I've transitioned to broadcasting, I'm in the I'm in the stands or press boxes a lot, and I can sometimes hear parents, and I, I sometimes see negative behavior from parents in various sports, and so. I always ask this question to my coaches. I think when parents do that, I mean, they do it because they love their kid, right? They'll complain about playing time or the coaches X's and O's or whatever, whatever. Um, I, I understand it's, they love their, their child, but I think those behaviors can be kind of a negative for the child's experience and can kind of serve as a distraction. That's one thing I got to hand it to my parents. They never questioned anything of coaching. They, were, they, they, they went to the game and they supported, which what you want, right? Like, especially my mom was always at those games, you know? And so, that's what you want. But I'm, I'm curious in the swim world, obviously in, in other sports, like in basketball, I, I see parents telling their kid to shoot it every time they get the ball or parents complain, but in the swimming world, it's so driven by performance and times. So I'm just really curious. Do you have parent issues? Cause you can't say like, Oh, you're, you're favoring some other kid over my son yeah. or daughter. Cause like it's the yeah. times don't lie. So yeah. I'm just curious, do you see any kind of parent issue? And if so, what is it? Um, I don't, see too much parent issues because right. like you said when we have a relay we just go off a of time sure so yeah. if anything you know some parents might not think you're doing enough for their kid and the big thing with swim is setting realistic expectations yeah you know as your kids race they're only swimming against seven other kids so yes they can get first place in that heat of a, a, a dual meet against Bridgepoint, but when they go into district championships, only six go on to regionals. Sure. And then from regionals, only one goes on and then call-ups. So, you know, and as they're growing up and swimming for a summer league or a club team, you know, kids could be doing really good in this area. And then once we go to swim against Katie Taylor and Katie Seven yeah. Lakes and yeah. Bridgeland and all those Side Creek and Side Fair schools, it's an eye-opener. So, you know, parents understanding realistic expectations because 
you know, yeah, you want to be that parent. Oh, my kid made it to the Olympics. My kid did this. My kid did that. But it, it, you know, it is very, 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 very rare for, you know, a stud around the area to get all the way. You know, Simone, you know, Simone did. I was going to ask about her. Does she, she's a Olympian Austin alum. Does she ever come back and kind of visit the program or? Uh, I have not reached out to her. One of my best friends that I, you know, coached swim with a couple times in the summer was an Olympic trials guy. I went to Mizzou was, you know, had a, an all American. He grew up with her and swam with her. So I've always been like, Hey, Daniel, can you uh, see if Simone will come back for an alumni yeah. meet? I actually haven't tried to reach out to her yet. And, you know, uh, last year being a, uh, Olympic year, even sure, though, sure. you know, um, I didn't want to, you know, bother her in August or, and, and she's also, she trains out in California with Stanford. So oh, she's okay. not in the area a whole bunch, but I'm sure at some point in my career, that is something I would like to have her come in to an alumni meet. Cause she's a legend. Speaking of elite athletes, you know, you mentioned Maurice Smith earlier, uh, you know, one of your former teammates and you said you've actually trained him and some of his, you know, fellow professional athletes like in the pool. So what, yeah. just kind of describe, you know, I know you said you felt like that was a, a really good workout that you're able to, and that, you know, there's a lot of positives <laughs> to, tr to pool training for football players or any sport probably. So can you kind of yeah. describe that process? Um, you, you know, uh, I love Maurice Smith, you know, he was, you know, another guy that he was a captain, but he was almost like another coach in my time at Dallas. And, you know, while he was with the dolphins, he was back home and, you know, I texted him. I was like, dude, you should come and try and work out with me in the pool. And he's like, I can't swim. I was like, you don't need to swim. It's four or five feet tall. Bring a 45-pound weight is all I told him. <laughs> As I said, just bring a 45-pound weight. So he legit just drove up to Dallas, <laughs> grabbed a 45-pound weight, and then drove to Lake Olympia and met me. And, and, and the, the crazy, you know, we did a long workout, and a lot of it just treading water, running, and I would, you know, do DB drills and my fat O-lineman swim coach self. I'm pointing around like he's breaking on a ball and I'm like, had no clue what I was doing. But the cool thing about Maurice is he could jump out of four feet of water with that 45 pound weight. And that was what blew my mind when him and his professional athlete buddies would come. And he also had a couple of buddies in Florida that I would send the workouts to and they would send me videos. They could jump out of the water and explode up with that weight above their head. And it just blew my mind. But the water resistance did a lot for them. You know, yeah. it really worked out their bodies. And, and you know, it, it, it technically swimming works out every single muscle in your body. Every single muscle in your body yeah. is, is working. So, you know, and it's also good on the body. You Absolutely. know, there's not pressure you know, if you've got an, he, he was dealing with a bit of an ankle issue one summer and, and literally just came into the water and would walk and run a little bit and backpedal. And that helped alleviate his ankle pain. It's a really, really good thing. And I, I wish, I wish more, I imagine they do, but I wish more, you know, professional athletes would, you know, think about using that pool. Uh, you know, I don't know how deep, they go into swimming workouts and stuff, but I think it's great because it works out everything in the body. Absolutely. Now we're, we're kind of coming to the end of the show. We're going to kind of put the coaching portion of bed and just get to know you a little bit. And I thought it was so cool that you live in Pecan Grove now. And again, mm -hmm. I, I went to Austin high school, so I'm very familiar with Pecan Grove. I, I lived in new territory, but you know, new territory and Pecan Grove were the two main uh, communities along with part of mission bend area was kind of what comprised our school at the time. Um, but 
talk about lots of great mem- memories of Pecan Grove. Really nice little area. So I, I, I just thought that was cool. So do you ever go eat at the Swinging Door? Does that still exist? I remember that was oh, kind of the man. restaurant. Yeah, uh, I, I like it a lot. And and I'm a bit of a barbecue uh, snob. Yeah, I, I like it a lot. I like their sausage and their sauce. But uh, Swinging Door is more of like ambiance. Going in there, it's old okay. school. Yeah. But yeah, me and my wife used to go there every, almost every single Thursday night for a, a little while and I, I like it a lot but there's this place called um harlem road yes which is i don't know if you've heard of it it's right off of 99 in harlem they are got on the uh honorable mention top 50 uh oh, okay I, I, yeah. I just know the the harlem road i used to drive on that to go see my friend no, yeah. road, but okay you're saying there's a restaurant called harlem road yeah, okay it's called harlem road barbecue yeah. it's right by that uh the new amazon plant they built they've got uh some of the best brisket i've ever had in my life but the swinging door it's good, but it's more of like kind of an, you know, kind of a Pat's or Geno's, whereas the, the Harlem Road is kind of the hole in wall, good barbecue place by me. Yeah, no, that, that's cool. And I, I know you and Derek Ruthard have, have hit up the little brewery out there. I know it's a pretty cool little yeah. brewery out there at the yeah, Grove Roman, area. So. Yeah. Shout out to that. But we're, we're at the point now, we're just talking about your favorite teams. Of course, you're your Texans, Astros, Rockets. So we get that all the time. But I, I chose to wear the Eagles jersey today because I love that, that you got that Philly connection too. So you're an Eagles and Phillies fan. And this is our portion where we're going to go to some start bench cuts. We'll have a little bit of fun. As always, start bench cuts is brought to us by our good friends at MVP Marketing Group, a turnkey marketing solution for schools. Longtime AD or longtime head coach, head football coach, now AD at Denton ISD, Joey Florence. He's a customer. And basically they use uh, MVB marketing group to try to attract businesses, attract businesses to sponsor your athletic program and generate money that way. The CEO, Mike Voglar is a big, a good friend of mine. Just give him a call, give him a call, talk, he'll just talk to you and we'll see if it's a good fit. And if you decide to use his services, he'll give you a team player podcast discount. All right, here we go. So let's start with a, a Mount Rushmore. I do this often. Sometimes I do start bench cut. Sometimes I do Mount Rushmore. That's going to be your top four all time favorite swimmers. I know, Phelps and Ledecky have kind of captured our imaginations here in recent years. And, you know, so those two that just jumped to my head, I'm curious for you, if you had to do a top four all time, your favorite swimmers, who would they be? Well, I even, you know, me being an APUS history nerd, I love Mount Rushmore. And I kind of, I put, I put my four up here and I kind of compared them to each of the, you know, presidents that's up there. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. My first one, you know, I compared him to Abraham Lincoln as Michael Phelps, very stoic, Sure. Uh, quiet, you know, uh, my favorite memory of Michael Phelps is him in the waiting room and uh, Chad LaClaus before the hunter fly starts looking at him and Michael Phelps and they have a stare down and Michael Phelps, his eyes could have killed someone, Yeah, you, you know, I, and that was a, a legendary thing. He ends up Love winning it. by, I believe, 0.01 on a great finish, extending himself to the wall. Uh, I, I really compare, you know, I love Michael Phelps and, you know, a legend and my favorite president was Abraham Lincoln. Yeah, so very cool. And then uh, I put Katie Ledecky as George Washington, Okay, uh, you know, someone that kind of pioneered uh, yeah. the sport as a long distance women's racer. Uh, she's a legend. And even as she's getting older in age, she's still kicking butt. Uh, I love her. And, you know, my little bit of time as a distance swimmer makes me relate to her. And then, you know, uh, my favorite, he's a modern-day guy, Caleb Dressel. Uh, oh, you yeah. probably have heard the name. Uh, he is a, a swam at University of Florida. He's a darn good, really good sprinter. I uh, think he's won the 50 free and 100 fly in the last two Olympics mm-hmm. uh, as gold medal. And now almost every single relay he's been on has won. Uh, I compared him to Roosevelt. 
And then lastly, uh, Dara Torres uh, compared her okay. to Jefferson. The, the unique thing about uh, a little cool story with Dara Torres, my mom uh, knew her a little bit, but in 2008, the Beijing Olympics, for whatever reason, the swimming would come on at like 11 p.m. Mm -hmm. uh, so I was a 12-year-old and, you know, loving swimming at the time. My mom and I would stay up late, you know, summertime, about this time of the year, about a week ago it would have been. Yeah. But uh, we stayed up super, super late, and my mom loved Dara Torres. And so because my mom loved Dara Torres, kind of like the Philly, I really loved Dara Torres because I believe as a 40-year-old, she uh, won a silver medal at the uh, Olympics. Yes. I remember that as, yeah. as an old as an old woman, and my sure. mom kind of saw her and loved her, and so I, I thought that was a good comparison to Jefferson there as well. Love that, and great, great job! I love the history teacher in you, giving us a little another layer there. All right, let's do a fly Eagles fly edition here. The, the Eagles. Uh, now, again, we, it's a start bench cut. Yeah, we're, we're just having fun with it. These, these guys don't play the same positions, but just you know, kind of ranking them in in your favorite order here. You got to start one, bench one, cut one. Reggie White, I'm wearing the jersey, the legendary defensive end. Donovan McNabb, big face of the franchise for so many years. And then a guy that really captivated my imagination growing up in the 90s, Randall Cunningham. So I, I know you maybe it's a little, you may be a little, I don't know if you recall him or not, but yeah. uh, those are the three that I want to hear from you. Start, bench, cut, Reggie White, Donovan McNabb, Randall Cunningham. Um, You know, with this, these are a little before my time. Sure, yeah. <laughs> but just... Hearing my dad talk about Reggie White, I had to start him. You know, yeah. legendary defensive end. And my dad would always say the late but great Reggie White. Yeah. Um, I would have to start him. And then my bench would be Donovan McNabb. You know, I yeah. love Donovan McNabb. I, I think I could. I tried to find his old jersey. I couldn't find his old <laughs> number five jersey yeah. with the Eagles. Uh, but, you know, I couldn't cut him because I actually watched him growing up. So I had to end up cutting Randall Cunningham sure. just by sheer – process of elimination even though sure, all yeah. three are legends that was pretty tough to do it's I'm always hard yeah about uh jalen hurts and, and seeing what he can do yeah um one of my, guy I actually was at coached at clements with me for one year um trey tut he uh, went to channel view with uh hurts so got hooked me up with a jersey signed by him for one of my cousins oh that's and, awesome so yeah I had the pleasure of, or displeasure, I guess, of coaching against Jalen Hurts when I was head coach at Aldi, and we played Channel. Oh, really? Oh, man, he could have done anything he wanted to us that night. Yeah. He did. You know, he so strong. He's just incredible. Yeah, just, he, he was awesome. One thing I'm curious for you, man, as a fan, I, I like the kind of the older, like, eagles of the kelly kind of kelly green like a little bit of a lighter green color and, and the silver wings, you know, and the helmet. And so I'm curious for you, do you like the new kind of darker green yeah. the forest green you, you prefer the hunter green okay that's fair my enough. favorite actually i like the black jerseys oh okay. yeah I, those know, look the, I think they call them midnight something i, I don't know but I, I i like them but uh, you know they used to have the the yellow and blue uh jerseys the eagles way back in the day i don't know if you knew that and they even had the blue and yellow helmets that they would do if like if you look up the old old i remember i only know this because i would use them in madden when i was yeah. a kid growing up yeah. you know but um, I, I really like, you know, and honestly, all across the board for NFL, you know, the jerseys have really changed. I, I like what they've done with them. Very sharp jersey. I remember one of my also favorite things to do was they used to do the Keller Rush a yeah. couple years back. And I love watching the Thursday night games 
you know, I'd be at home and my mom would be like, what the heck are they wearing? Because it would be just some bright, crazy Keller at those Thursday night games. I don't think they do them anymore. I'm not sure, but I remember the Keller Rush jerseys. I love those. And last, last but not least here, I want to do a Phil's edition, Phillies, you know, and I don't, I know Chase Utley. I would have thrown in uh, like Lenny Dykstra as a guy I remember when I was young, but I'm, I was going to leave this one a little more open-ended. If you want to do Mount Rushmore of a four, if you wanted to make up your own start bench cut, that's fine too. If you want to do a top three. Mount Rushmore for this. But okay, let's hear your Phillies because I want you to educate me on, on this one. Um, so what I did with this one, though, it was the 2008 World Series Phillies. Okay. Uh, and kind of a unique story. Um, I, my cousins, we would kind of unique about the Phillies, uh, outfield is they had two layers. The top layer was the opposing team's, uh, pit, uh, bullpen and the bottom layer was the Phillies. And I, I don't know why, but I would love to heckle the, yeah. the opposing team's, uh, pitchers. And for, uh, you know, for some reason, uh, Jimmy Rollins wasn't playing a game and he wasn't in the dugout was hanging out back. In, in the in the dugout down low and i'm just ripping the brewers the pitchers the whole night as a 12 year old and jimmy rollins just comes up and he gives me a big thumbs up as i was Love up there it. visiting um and, and then harry callis uh you know legendary announcer um the father of todd callis tk yeah yes he was a long time phillies announcer yes that's right and uh, a lot of times the next day we would watch you know in on the way to work we would listen uh, and my dad had seriously connect to the phillies and we would hear calls from harry callis from that year uh, and that year also uh, a pretty cool. The other, another unique story is the Phillies played the Astros that year. And I went to a game and was like one of the only people in a Phillies jersey. And a, a, an equipment manager said, hey, win or lose after the game, come down and see me. And I went down to see him and he gave me a bat by Jeff Jenkins, uh, who was a no-name guy. But actually in the World Series that year, there was like a 46-hour rain delay. A lot of people didn't know that about that wow. 2008 World Series and the first pitch back, Jeff Jenkins hit a, du uh, a double, an RBI double that ended up scoring the winning run of that game. And and so I still have that bat. It was a broken bat, but it said Jeff Jenkins on it. And it was from that year. And uh, lastly, you know, being a Houston guy, Brad Lidge, uh, yeah, you cool. know, he came from the Astros to the Phillies. They called him Lights Out Lidge. I used to love when he would come out in Minute Maid and they would cut the lights off. Wow. legitimately yeah. The, yeah. of the yeah. game no lights were in there and they called him lights out lidge and then they would flash the lights and he'd come out and mow down three guys and then went get a save and he actually had the uh, game closing save for the uh world series that year that was cool man i i really enjoyed that because i mean for me i mean i'm a baseball fan but the phillies i just i don't know a lot about the phillies you know and so i, I really kind of appreciated getting that the eagles i definitely remember i have lots of great memories uh, and I've always kind of liked the Eagles. I'm with you in that NFC East. You know, I, I'm definitely Eagles over Cowboys, you know, kind of guy. So love that. And if if, if y'all enjoyed the show as much as I did today, again, just give us that five-star review. It takes 10 seconds. Leave a review if you want. It'd be more than – I'll read those out. If you, if you leave one, hit the follow button to subscribe and hear new episodes as soon as they come out each week. And you can follow me on Twitter at Coach underscore Kovo. That's Coach underscore K-O-V-O. And if you want to reach out, you can do it on Twitter or you can send us an email, teamplayerpodcast at gmail.com. Like I said at the beginning, we lift up our own here. So if you have someone you want to recommend or give any kind of feedback, it's always welcome here. 
As always, the cover art and music for the Team Player Podcast provided by two of my former players. The cover art is by Kaiser St. Cyr. And our intro and exit music is One More Good Enough from Avrion's self-titled debut album. You can find his music on all platforms by searching for Avrion. That's A-V-R-I-O-N. Coach Brogan, thank you so much for joining us on the show today. Thank you for having me, Coach. I uh, appreciate it. All right. Thank you so much to all the team players out there for your support. And we'll catch you all down the road. It always feel like I need one more boy and one more line. Record the track just one more time. My family think I bump my head, lost my mind, insuring them. I'm just fine. I'm good enough, but I need one more boy and one more line. Record the track just one more time. My family think I bump my head, lost my mind, insuring them. I'm just fine. I'm good enough, but I need one more boy and one more line. Record the track just one more time. My family think I bump my head. Lost my mind, insuring them, I'm just fine, I'm good enough. But you be told I need some therapy. Initially ain't do it voluntarily, but 